0: Thank you for tuning in to the Identity and Me podcast. This episode is a continuation of my conversation with Stephanie Bramlett in episode 60. You'll have to go back and listen if you have yet to do so. At the conclusion of it, I asked Stephanie at what point she learned to embrace her hair such that she is now willing to experiment with various hairstyles. This episode begins with her response to that question.
1: It was more like I thought my hair was negative rather than me feeling negatively about it. Like the thing itself, I'm calling my hair a thing. I'm sorry, hair. Um, the <laughs> thing, <laughs> the thing itself was bad and it became like an identity contingency that I had to overcome this bad thing rather than like me feeling me feeling shame or bad. It was just, it was one more thing that I, that I had to overcome. And so, and I think that that was just because it was, you know, it was so, so different. Um, do you remember pink lotion?
0: Of course. Yeah. I used to use that heavy.
1: Yeah. So everybody else in my family, and you know, my like my, my mom and her sisters. And then I have um, I have a niece and and two nephews, and and they're biracial. Their father's black, their mother's white. Um, they have like this very curly hair, bright blue eyes, very brown skin. Um, and and so all these other people in my family, we used to have like a ton of pink moisturizer. They used to be these pink moisturizer kids, right? Where, yep, yeah, you get it wet. You squeeze it on there, you slick it back in a ponytail, you put a little bobble on it, and cool, you're good to go. Yeah. And so you try to do that with my hair. First of all, my hair does not slick. It is not trying to slick anywhere. You put the pink moisturizer on it, it just sits on top of the little curls, just looking at you like you try (laughs) to slick me. It's not trying to, it's not trying to absorb that. It is not feeling that at all. So it was like I would see what they did with their hair and then they would sit me down to try to wrestle through my hair. And it was always like a wrestling, right? It was always wrestling, bangling, like those are the words. And like my hair wouldn't do that. So I just grew up being like, well, there's something wrong with my hair. There's something wrong with my hair. So it was like the tears when like the braids were too tight or the, you know, they're probably women of a certain age who we know what like burnt ears are like from the straightening comb. Always, always, always the kid's fault because they weren't holding their ear right. Like it's never the parent's fault that burned them but just missing whole chunks of the ear. Uh, I, I promise I had a very ch- happy childhood, but it was like all these things were always happening and they were, it was all in the effort of we're trying to make you presentable, but your hair is just not cooperating.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and, you know, after a while, it was a, well, like, I think I'm presentable. Like, I think you, at some point these degrees have to do something for me, right? Yep. Um so if you can't take me if you can't take me seriously because I have an afro, like I that's got to say more about that's got to say more about the you than it does about me.
0: As you were talking, I was thinking about good hair and bad hair and all the comments I used to hear about hair when I was growing up. Um I thought about even the term like for people with tight curls if you will they used to use a term n-word naps you got n-word naps I i haven't heard that in forever but i remember hearing that when i was a kid like that was an insult between black folks i also thought about my grandma anytime i talk about hair i think about her um when i was like my earliest hair memory was my grandma brushing my or combing my hair and saying, you know, your hair is so soft and your mom doesn't know how to take care of your hair. You know, it's so soft and the stuff she puts in your hair is going to end up making it a lot more coarse. And um, she also had a problem with my skin getting darker. So she'd scrub my skin to keep it lighter. Um, because again, my mom didn't, it was never her son who was the problem. It was always the, the daughter-in-law. And I love my grandma. I feel bad even telling the story, um, because it doesn't paint her in a positive light. But um, I'm remembering a lot of how I came into my Blackness was seeing and hearing things from my grandmother. I remember her with her hot comb, combing her hair at night, like the little bits of hair that she had, just like going hard and braiding them. And then she used to use these little strings to tie her braids together. And I guess... The, the point of that was to try to lengthen her hair. She did not like having short hair. That was very clear. And so hair is a big deal in the Black community. And I often wonder, do white folks have to navigate hair politics in this way? Um, I've never asked a question pointedly to any of my white friends or white people I know. Um, have you asked the question? Yeah. So I, I actually wanted to talk to you
1: about this. So, um, yes, I do. I think that white people with curly hair, white women with curly hair, absolutely. So my best friend is a white girl named Leslie. Um, she, she has like 4A hair, white girl from Indiana, Midwest, 4A hair. So she had no idea what worked for her hair until we met. And I had no idea what worked for my hair until I met Brittany. So you see, Brittany is like our, like, Saying a hairy godmother like (laughs) doesn't.
0: But Brittany, you need to share this episode with Brittany.
1: I know. I I will. I will. Brittany helped so many people. So, like, Brittany introduced me to a whole section of the store that I didn't know existed, and was like, "Here, use these products." And you know, you go in and you try out new things as you're kind of learning your hair journey. What works for you? What doesn't work for you? So, in this section, there are some things that didn't work really well for me. so probably the first time that I was like, okay, I'm not going to rock braids all year round. I'm going to leave my hair out for, for some time during the year. You know, I had my like 10 or 12 little potion bottles that of stuff that I thought would work and didn't work. So my friend Leslie with her four a hair that has been, it. she's got, so it's type four, it's pretty thin hair shaft, but yeah. a ton of ton of little ringlets. So she, also had a family who was like, where did you come from? What are we supposed to do with this? We yeah. got to wrangle this. We got to wrestle this. Your hair is unruly. Your hair is a mess. We got to do something. So she didn't know how to take care of her hair either. And I took her to the ethnic hair care aisle. And she was like, hey. <laughs> and so Leslie uses like all the stuff that Black girls use. Yeah. All of it.
0: Has she done 23 me or any of that?
1: No, I don't think so, but I but what you're getting at and and here's what like this is why I can only guess that the obsession with straightness is proximity to whiteness. Yeah. Turns out that white people have hair that comes in many different textures. The same, same way that black people have hair that comes in many different textures. So the idea that whatever you want to call it, four ha- type four hair, you want to call it kinky hair, you want to call it nappy hair, whatever it is, the idea that that is something that is both undesirable and only Black people can have yeah. has deeply problematic white supremacist mm. foundation. Mm. Mm. I do not think that Leslie is any less white because she has some curly hair.
0: Oh yeah. No, I wasn't intimating that she's less white. I'm curious because I've never met many white people who have very curly tight hair who aren't biracial.
1: Yeah. I haven't met like a ton of, I wouldn't say that I've met a ton of black people who have, you know, mostly straight hair, but they exist.
0: So there's the way the world sees us. At the end of the day, they see our skin tone and that informs a lot of, our initial treatment, but I'm wondering if hair adds another layer from your perspective. If you've noted that hair tends to make one more desirable in terms of how they're treated by others, let's start within the Black community.
1: Hair is everything in the Black community. Um, I think in some really beautiful ways, and also in some some problematic ways, like we've already discussed. You know, I think that, that certainly the beauty shop, the barber shop, there, those are those are places where so many of us learn just all of the different ways that one can be black. You know, where else do you get yeah. wealthy people, poor people, well-educated, the conspiracy theorists, the hustlers, the preachers, the rappers, like the dreamers just get everybody together in that one spot. And it's at the shop. It's at the shop. So. I think that hair really does become a tool of socialization and that that is, that's actually really underappreciated. You know, we, we live in this academic setting and all of the talks about socialization and how we learn and how we do and become who we are. Sure. I think that hair as a tool is something that is, has deep roots in the black community and, and isn't appreciated as much as it should be. But, but I also, I love the intimacy of hair in the black community. Like you can't actually be mad at somebody and braid or twist their hair if you don't want to be in a fight afterwards. <laughs> right? like you can't do this if you're mad at somebody and you're doing their hair then it's going to come through and y'all are going to be fighting for real later because yeah. now you messed up somebody's hair yeah. right so remember when um remember who was it uh alan iverson remember when his mom braided his hair like mid-court
0: or no. mid-game it was
1: mid oh my gosh it was amazing it was on black twitter like maybe five or six years ago what? So, i gotta look this up yeah. It was like mid game, like his mom is braiding his hair. And you know, she's a black mama. She's like, I don't care that there are cameras around, like, I don't care any. But it was just this, it was such a beautiful and intimate moment because like he was about to go and do something big. Like he was, he he was gearing up to 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 do some greatness, like to be somebody. And I think that for, I mean, certainly in my experience. Experience, But that's what hair is in the Black community. And that's something that I just think is, I love talking about it and thinking about it. And, and I think that it's just really beautiful. Um, I have been less interested in that sort of double consciousness of how hair appears for me in the black community, and then how, what the white community thinks about my hair. Now, part of that is having the privilege of being one of very few black people in my space. So there's so few examples, I think, of, um, of what hair could look like and what hair is supposed to represent like physical examples of people who know, like our hair can look like anything in New Hampshire. I think that if I lived in Atlanta, if I lived in DC, literally anywhere where there were more Black people than in New Hampshire, um, then I might be saying something a little bit different now. I certainly am like thinking more about my hair when I'm in Tulsa, even where I'm from, than I do when I'm here. But Interesting. I- Hold on, <laughs> really?
0: Like, so, so you think it's you have more freedom with what to do with your hair in the company of white folks than black folks. Yeah. Oh, wow. Th- that's you, really interesting. You think something okay. differently? Yeah. Um, so my mom aside and my family, um, and really I would limit it to my mom at this point, I felt as though you know, I could roll into a, a store, any establishment, Um, in a predominantly Black community with locks, a fro, a caesar, and not get any sort of different reaction. Whereas ESPN is a predominantly white organization. When they put a Black person in front of you, a Black male, you're not seeing a lot of different hairstyles.
1: I have a question for you. Yeah. Would you show up without a lineup to a Black family barbecue?
0: Yes, and your, I don't your think hairline, I would
1: get, your hairline just looking like anything.
0: Yeah, I, I I would. Um, I would I would rock a Frederick Douglass around uh, around other black folks. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would. Really? Now here's here's where I think it would be a problem. If the lineup is messed up, then folks are gonna look at me sideways. But if I roll up with a Frederick Douglass like that is acceptable.
1: But I'm saying I think that where I'm coming from, I'm thinking about <laughs> with white folks, you can you can show up with a Frederick Douglass. You can show up with like half up here, half down here. Like You can show the, we don't get a lot of, we do not get a lot of social capital. We certainly don't have a lot of economic capital, but the cultural capital that comes with being black, when you are in a purely social situation, and there's not an actual exchange of power happening, just the coolness of black. Whatever your particular variety of Black is, it has to be accepted with white folks in New Hampshire because they don't have any other options. They don't know that your hair is not actually supposed to look like that.
0: Hence my point, though. I don't think you have a lot of leeway in professional circles, particularly when the organization is predominantly white, to get experimental with your hair as a Black man. I don't know what it's like for a Black woman. I feel like most of the affirming comments I got about my locks were from Black people. Not to say that white people commented about my hair, but I. Are white people afraid to comment about your hair? Perhaps, yeah. Perhaps. That's
1: okay. Mm -hmm. Anyway,
0: I have this question to conclude our conversation you know, you're the director of equity and inclusion at an independent school. And in general, do you feel as though schools have a responsibility to offer support around self-care and in this case, hair maintenance in particular?
1: I don't quite know how to answer this question because I definitely think that as I was talking before about just the the intimacy of hair care and the community, um, I think that, that this is work that, you know, certainly the black community that families like can do and, and should do and are doing. But, you know, I also think that our other socializing institutions like school, um, but also like the media, Can certainly help with this. Um, Greater representation, absolutely greater representation. Um, You know, even now, I get really excited when I see someone who has my hair texture on TV it just didn't exist at all when I was growing up. But, but even now it's so rare that I still get excited. And and it's funny because my husband, Dan, like he gets excited too. He's been there for this whole hair journey. And he's like, Ooh, ooh, look like there's somebody who has hair like yours on TV. Like, come look at them. Um, but there is, I read, I used to read just so many magazines and, and was like always just Looking for looking for inspiration. Right. Always doing that as a teenager. And I know a lot of teenagers do that now, too. And, and so in the magazines growing up, there might sometimes be a, you know, in one of out of every 15 magazines, there would be a, a curly girl section. And it was always like its own special thing. And, you know, my curly hair didn't look like anybody's curly hair that was in the zines. And now, you know, every once in a while, like I'll flip through or something at the airport and now there will be a an ethnic hair section or sometimes they'll even use like the 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 hair types. They'll be like this is for 4C hair and that will be a section. But what I want to see is is just a representation of different products, different hair types for anybody who might be reading the magazine. And, you know, certainly that would have been helpful for me growing up. I think that it would be helpful for kids now who look like me and who have hair like me, but it's also really helpful for kids who don't look like me and who don't have hair like me. You know, I was talking about my friend Leslie and she didn't figure out hair products until she was an adult. And she's a white woman with curly hair who now uses hair in the the black section of the store. That's where she gets or hair products. So it's just, yeah, I guess it's just representation, I think really matters. And you know, I know that at school, like whenever I am, I decide that I want to rock my my big natural kinky hair, like I I always see a couple of other other people, usually students, you know, who are like, all right, I'm going to take my braids out too. I'm going to rock it. And it's really cool to just be like, hey sis, like I see you. Like this is this is great. We're doing this. I think it's really fun to love her hair.
0: Yeah, I I do too. I agree with that. And I'm thinking about all the boys who were walking around here with locks um, shortly after I got here. And um, I even asked a couple of them if their um, journey into locking their hair had anything to do with seeing me with locks. And um, they admitted, like, yeah, you know, um, seeing a professional um, in a position like yours with locks... Allowed me to um, envision my hair looking different and being acceptable. And the question that I asked you, while kind of odd in a way, um, I asked the question because I'm remembering a conversation with a parent who called or actually reached out to me via text message about her son who lived in a dorm, a predominantly white dorm, and he was having some serious hangups about his hair, wanted to cut all his hair off, um, was tired of thinking his hair wasn't good enough or knowing how to manage his hair. And she asked me if I could give him some tips about how to maintain his flat top and different hairstyles that he can try to, to go with. And I, I, I thought that was interesting. I'm like, hold on, here's this mom reaching out to me, asking me to talk to her son about his hair and maintaining it. and But I'm also hearing that being in this environment around a lot of other white students is uh, causing him to develop a complex about his own hair. And then I started wondering, is there support, intentional support needed for Black students, for some who might desire it, around hair maintenance?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think that particularly in a residential community, yes, You know, this is a this is a site of socialization and we are doing the work of helping teenagers move from their childhood to their adulthood and in doing so they are removed from their experiences. They're removed from their families and their communities where they might sort of naturally get that training. Um, you know, it's kind of a silly example, but I remember when I was at a, a conference a few years ago, it was the National Association of Independent Schools, People of Color conference. And at the very end of the conference, um, the the choir sang uh lift every voice and sing, black yeah. national anthem. And there was a group of students, not from my school, but a group of young people who were all black, four black girls. They were sitting right in front of me and they were genuinely confused when we started playing that. And everybody around them started standing up and singing. And they didn't have, they didn't know the words. They didn't know why people were standing up. It was like this fun, collective, effervescent experience for them. But they were really really confused about what went on and so after the conference i once this little program was done i just took them aside and we talked for a few minutes and i was like do you know what this is and we just had you know a quick little conversation about that but it turns out that these four girls were boarding school kids mm. And I don't know what school they went to, but my guess is that they missed that socialization part of being in their communities where you would learn what the Black National Anthem is.
0: Or the Happy Birthday song, the remix, Stevie Wonder's version. Yeah, You gotta
1: know these things. Yeah, you do. You know, we can't send. I always, uh, I used to joke around at my last school about because, you know, I love a good, I love, love a good family dance. So, like electric slide, the wobble, the cupid shuffle, like we can't send you off to college without (laughs) knowing how to do that. Because while you've been here getting your education, doing all these things that you weren't able to do in your community school, like while you've been here doing that, your cousins have been dancing with <laughs> grandma and grandma can't outdo you on the electric slide. Like, come on. You just hey, listen, don't
0: take my card away. I can I can hang with the electric slide, the wobble, the Cupid shuffle. Yeah, nah, I, I know the songs, but I, I, I can't get in line and do it seamlessly. Got to admit that. I'm sorry. Please don't revoke my card.
1: I, I'm not here to revoke cards. I am here to teach.
0: All right, I look forward to that lesson that you'll be offering.
1: Family barbecue.
0: All right, cool. Stephanie, thank you so much for uh, joining me today to have this conversation, very enlightening as I expected. I hope my audience also connected with a lot of what we're talking about it in, and that it encourages folks to have these conversations uh, about hair with their children, um, with their friends, Um, because there's so much to learn about hair maintenance and also how we were socialized around the texture of our hair. And so um, as a final question, what do you have in mind for a style going into the school year?
1: Ooh, I don't know. I could get scared and go back to the braids that I always have, but I've been a I've been thinking about locks as I, as I always do. And, you know, now that there's one less person with locks on campus, this might be my moment.
0: All right. Well, um, I I may grow them back. Estelle wants me to grow them back. Estelle is my seven-year-old. Otherwise I, I know that I'm going to continue to grow my hair. My personality um, is expressed through my hair. Um, Most people see me as super, cookie cutter 90 degree angle square type, but my hair is where uh, I express myself or how I express myself. I don't like to have very conventional hairstyles, but anyway, thanks again, Stephanie. And uh, I look forward to reconnecting soon.
1: Thank you. It's been fun.
0: Socialization is everything. Growing up, I saw Head and Shoulders and Perk Plus commercials. I don't remember ever seeing a sulfate-free shampoo or conditioner promoted for black people, however. This is coming from a person who watched a lot of TV as a child. I'm thinking about how my family wasn't aware of what products were best for our hair. What was that a function of? Not for lack of intelligence, I'll tell you that. My mom even went to hair school for a time. I've had stylists and barbers that I've contracted in my position here at Phillips Exeter tell me that they exclusively learned to style and cut hair that one would typically find on a white person in hair school. Everything they learned about black hair was on their own. Think about that. That's just a small component of what Stephanie and I covered. Hopefully we either gave you food for thought or affirmed your own journey with hair. Until the next episode of In Me, keep reflecting. And the identity and me. Identity, identity and the